Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors, and today, Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor is going to distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. It's all about Big Booty Daddy today. You listen to them, now hang out with us. This is After 83 Weeks with Christy Olson. That's me. You're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz Hello there, fellow 83 Weeks fans, and welcome to the show where we get to talk about our favorite podcast, and uh, we recover all the juicy reveals and all the uh, great stuff that Eric had to say on this episode of 83 Weeks. Thank you for joining us. Let me introduce you to my panel of experts, starting with a man who's been in the industry for like... 15 years. Not, not quite that not long. Not quite. September will mark 14. Oh, well, coming up on an anniversary, <laughs> yeah. Christian Rosenberg. Ironically, today is the four-year anniversary of my Poros and Tees store. Oh, so, well, I feel so. that you'll be able to tell everyone a little bit more about that later. But I, first, I might be able to. That sounds like 14 years in the business, to cut straight to your gimmick. Yep. <laughs> And speaking of cuts, this guy is editing and producing the YouTube channels for all your favorite wrestling veterans. Say hello to Steve Kaufman. Why, hello. Um, YouTube.com slash 83 weeks. I'll also do that. <laughs> all right, and I would like to remind this guy that we save our plugs for the end of the show. <laughs> Hi, George Golf. Oh. George, George Golf. Wow. Oh. Wow. When did this happen? It's... George Hermosa. It is George Hermosa. Hi, Christy Olson. I think you That's got it right. That, no, that's definitely not okay. you. <laughs> wow, you guys. I'm sure you're like, what have I tuned into today? This is the after show for Eric and Conrad's show. And we do want to remind you that we usually have Eric calling in to do a Q&A, answering all of your questions out there that you have after listening to the episode. And he will be joining us a little bit later. Yes, the executive director of SmackDown Live will be calling in to answer your questions. So make sure you subscribe and give us a little thumbs up. You can also listen on Apple Podcasts if that's what you'd like to do. We would love it if you would rate and comment and let us know what you love about this show, about Eric's show, about WWE shows, or whatever. <laughs> And that's that. Okay, guys, this week we are, of course, talking about Scott Steiner in the WCW. I think we've had so many hot topics the last several weeks, and we've covered these huge pay-per-views. Did this seem a little... I mean, not... I mean, I think at first when they said it was going to be Scott Steiner, I didn't know there was going to be so much... I didn't know it was going to be two and a half hours worth of, of show. But when the first thing they asked, what was your first impression of Scott Steiner? And he, there, there was tools involved and, and, and butts and whatnot, then like, oh, yeah. there might be, this might be a little, I mean, but we've kind of heard those sort, those kind of stories before on Tony Schiavone's show where signs were kind of bullies, but I kind of, I kind of like that Eric was kind of quick to point off. They weren't necessarily like that to bully. It almost seemed like it was payback for something. And mm-hmm. I'm all about the, I'm all about the karma if they deserved it, you know? Yeah, but this one did start out pretty hot. Mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> With the, I, I no, thought you guys. Sure I, I, I thought it was fairly room temperature for most of the entire episode. I assumed that the rest of you had something to say about a ref having something stuck up his butt. So that was just your your segue to chime in with whatever you know story it's, you it's, may have of. 
Oh, no, well, no, no one ever did that to me. <laughs> I mean, if that's what you're asking. I mean, it does seem a little excessive, but it just kind of depends on what was done first. But then again, at the same time, what exactly would you? What kind of prank would you pull on the Steiner brothers, who are at that time and still to this day, where it kind of had a big reputation, tough guys, Michigan University of Michigan wrestlers? Like, why would you mess with them to begin with? It sounds to me Scott Steiner still works Southern California. That these guys don't want to share a locker room with him. Well, he's going to be, 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 be at a bar wrestling, bar wrestling in a week Thursday. or two. Is he really? Yeah. yeah. I, was, I te- really want to go. I he's, mean, he's teaming with Brian Cage and taking on Joey Ryan and, and Orange Cassidy. And yeah, I really want to go to that show. That's going to be a great match. Yeah. It's yeah. going to be a very interesting, entertaining match. That is, for I sure. really want to hear Jim Cornette talk about that match. I'm sure he will. Because everything Joey Ryan does, Jim Cornette seems to. Yeah. Have something to say. Well, that is true. And as much as I would like to talk more about <laughs> Joey Ryan, actually, you, you mentioned that Scott will be, oh, we're just going to go ahead and turn that off. Oh, hey, I thought, Mom. The, I thought the anonymous Raw GM was coming <laughs> in. No? You never know. Okay. Well, we did start off this episode by talking about Scott's history as a tag team competitor when he was not with Brian Cage, but his bro. And uh, what stands out to you guys when you look back at this time? Of course, they had a couple of big feuds uh, against Harlem Heat. To say the say the most, I think mm-hmm. maybe. What memories do you have of watching the Steiner brothers back in the day when you were little well, fans? Well, oh, go ahead. I'm, gonna say, I'm just going to say a hot take. I think the Road Warriors are one of the most overrated tag teams of all time. That is, like, hot I don't take. even have them in my top three. But I have the Steiners in my top three. I, I think they were just phenomenal as a team. Just flat out one of the best. Scott was just insane with his athleticism. Like I just could not believe. Like there was one match that they had with the Nasty Boys, where you watch it back. I think it was Halloween Havoc '90. One of the most underrated Nasty Boys matches of all time. You'll see the most wicked Frankenstein you have seen in your life. And just overall, as a tag team wrestler, one of the best tag teams I've ever seen in my life. One thing, there are always like a few tag teams here or there where there's one guy on the tag team and you're just like, why isn't that this guy wrestling the entire match? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that that was always my feeling with Scott Steiner really? when when they team because like I liked Rick and obviously he was entertaining. He, you know, he was also obviously very strong, very tough, but he was kind of the goofy one because he's mm-hmm. the one barking. Yeah. Scott Steiner was jacked to the nines who could do Frankenstein'ers. Um, he periodically, very briefly, did the screwdriver. As a finishing move, um, in the first THQ WCW video game, I was always either Scott Steiner or Scott Norton, <laughs> and I mainly was Scott Steiner, so I can do that finishing move because I'm like that's just the most devastating finishing move ever. And he was a guy who was just like, why is he in a tag team? Mm-hmm. Like this guy should be. I thought like back in the early '90s, this guy should be a champion because he's just mm-hmm. so jacked. And Obviously, I didn't. I knew nothing about wrestling <laughs> then, but, but just like just looking at him, I also thought El Gigante should have been champion too. So let's <laughs> let's you know take that with a grain of salt. Exactly. It's crazy because Rick was actually the first one in the business. He's the one that brought in Scott. So it's not like they came in at the same time. Rick, you know, brought in Scott. Yeah. And lo and behold, like Scott ended up being you know the most successful one of the two. Mm-hmm. I hearing Eric talk about the economics of tag team wrestling to him mm-hmm. really explains to me how people like the Steiner brothers could only go so far mm-hmm. in WCW. That he doesn't he doesn't see value in tag team wrestling enough that they could headline in a town. See I, I go ahead. Well and not only that, but the economics of paying two guys, yeah. having twice as many guys in line at the cafeteria. Yeah, because if you think about it, it's not like you know. For example, you have you have a WrestleMania main event, right? They both get a big paycheck. You know, let's say there's a tag team wrestling, a uh, tag team match that's a WrestleMania main event. They're not going to pay them 
twice as more because mm-hmm. there's the tag team match, they're probably going to pay him the same amount. And then you got to cut that in half. So it kind of makes sense economically. I kind of disagree um, just because if you think there's no value in it, your job as a promoter is to create value in it. You know, like you look at LOD, as much as I don't think they're in the top three or top five, they're very marketable. Mm. You create that market value in order for them to be successful, in order for you to find value in tag team wrestling. Also along with that, like how Eric was talking about, how he wasn't big on tag team wrestling. If you think about it in WCW, well, Scott Steiner won singles titles. Rick Steiner won singles titles. World Warrior Hawk won singles titles. Brian Knobs won singles titles. So many tag teams that he just decided, nah, we're gonna, we're, I'm just going to have them show off in a bit. And, and this is actually a case of point, really, as to why. That he, you know, he was a, f- a fan of them, wanted them to grow, but wasn't fan of just bringing up a full-fledged tag team like WWE in many cases, where eventually storylines maybe some people break up. But I've, I mean, do you see either the Usos ever winning a singles title? Right. Well, he kind of maybe the twenty-four-seven championship. Well, but yeah, if anything, but. like, and I remember he gave this exact example when somebody asked him, or I don't know if it was Ask Eric anything or one of those shows, but when the Hollywood Blondes broke, I think it was like a Pillman episode when mm-hmm. the Hollywood Blondes broke up, and I was like, "There's another one, that Pillman and Austin." It's just which to me, I thought that was genius that we explained it. I was like, "Wow, that." Totally makes sense. I would have liked to seen the blondes do something more, but the fact that like you look at maybe segments like segment one, segment four, as like maybe value, where you look at how much money is invested in this specific segment. Well, we got to see how to balance that out with the entire show. So maybe they were overpaying. Maybe the blondes, or maybe the signers, where they maybe had no choice but to break them up. Well, and it was pretty simple with the Steiner brothers, too, in that they were comfortable as a tag team, mm-hmm. and there wasn't a good, long-standing storyline that Creative was coming up with to split them up. It really, Be- because really they didn't kept, have to be a whole lot Because they kept splitting up other but tag teams. So at they the could've. same time, like, for example, I think number one are the Dudley boys, but I think okay. their ability to adjust to any situation, I think, is what one of the reasons why they are number one. Is this the Steiners thinking that there is really no more that they can do? Or was this like... They were able to do more, but maybe creative, not really having anything for them. Like, what, does that say anything about creative, or does that say something about the Steiners? Well, I think creative not having something for them boils down to the fact that just Eric doesn't. That Eric at that time didn't value tag teams. Mm-hmm. As main event draws, because once again, if you put double the money, you need to make double yeah. the money. Because that was around the time that Booker T started going singles. And yeah, another and example. Right so there. someone like if you have Rick and Scott Steiner, you need to find a way for them to make money as a tag team, but mm-hmm. then for for them to also make money as singles. And I, I guess there wasn't much money in them facing each other for a long time. Well, WCW put some amount of money into this car flipping over on the side of the road angle that we've talked that we've talked about several times. Right mm-hmm. now, we're not going to get too far into it, but this elicited kind of a rant from Eric about how why can people suspend their disbelief for movies and TV shows, and yet when it's professional wrestling, for some reason, even though they know it's scripted, they want it to be real or they need it to be real or they're uh, criticizing it because it's not real because nobody's yelling cut. Well, also, I think part of part of the answer to his story as well is even in the NFL, there's a season. So the NFL happens, and then it stops happening. Mm-hmm. In any professional sport, there's a season. In any TV show, there's a season. It starts happening, and then it stops happening. Wrestling is the only thing that does not have a season. It's all 52 weeks. So I think that gives some of the realism that when someone flips a car over, mm-hmm. that it's, oh, well, that's, that's Scott Steiner. That's... 
Right. We saw him last week. We'll see him next week. We're going to see him. We don't see him in the off season taking his kids to school. Yeah, that there's hitting the gym. That part of and that's boiled into the kayfabe of the whole business. That you don't you don't want people to be able to separate the character the character on TV from their real life. Mm-hmm. And if you present it every week, it's even harder for people to see it that way. I think Bischoff has, does a really good job at really trying to present things as real on a regular basis. Absolutely. And, and, and doesn't really try to sit there and, and argue with anybody. Because, for example, Pritchard, every now and then he'll say, like, oh, well, that's entertainment. That's this. That's that. And, like, you don't hear Bischoff say that. Because he wants to always act like it's real. We saw it with the with the Rey Mysterio getting thrown on the dart. We saw it with, you know, maybe Ric Flair faking a heart attack. And I always like that about him, that he's not going to just make some excuse, like, oh, well, you know, why do you separate that and this? Honestly, the my one of my favorite things about pro wrestling is it is unlike anything else in the entire world. Yep. Yes, it has similarities with TV shows and movies, but it's really not. It has similarities with maybe Broadway plays, but it's really not. Mm-hmm. And, and for I, it, it kind of finds it like a pet peeve of mine when you compare it to well on this TV show and that TV show because it really is unlike anything else in the entire world. If you're gonna get heat for something, dude. Go for it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, go all the way with it. Don't try to sit there and say, oh, well, it's just a TV show. No, it's it's a little bit more than that. That's why we all love wrestling. Because it's a little bit more than what we see on TV, on movies, and, and all those scripted shows. So That was beautiful, I was going to say, that was so passionate. Yeah. Because yeah. I hate it. Because like, Pritchard does it all the time, where somebody will say something like, oh, well, it's entertainment. People need to do this. People know that. Oh, Muhammad Hassan. Oh, well, that was, you know, heat. It's like, no, you can't differentiate it. Like, you can either go one or the other. We like, make movies, pal. Yeah, like, and Until I under- it's Muhammad Hassan. And, and they're like, I don't know why they're all bent out of shape. I understand that. But, like, a thing I like about Bischoff, he's always very, like, I want to make things look as real as possible. And when people have to say, like, wow, did that really happen? That's one of my favorite parts in wrestling. When when you have to like question it, like I don't think that was supposed to happen, but I liked it. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you know, giving him all these compliments. I don't know if that's going to help you get him a job. <laughs> no, I, I already got a job. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right then. He starts in November. You didn't hear this? Yeah. No, I did not. <laughs> well, Breaking news. Yeah. As we're talking about believability, I want to ask you guys how believable you thought Scott was as a promo guy. So Eric talked about <laughs> teaming Ted DiBiase with the Steiner brothers, and he called the word that Eric used was clunky. That maybe the promos weren't bad, especially when it came to Scott, but that they just needed someone to talk for them while they improved a little bit. Thoughts on that? Clunky is like the best word I yeah. think he could yeah. use. Because listening, and now this is back in tag team Scott Steiner, listening to his promos, it felt like you were driving over some potholes. Yeah. Singles towards, like, as they got in, like, towards the end of this podcast, 99, 2000. TNA Scott Steiner. Oh, he 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 was just he was just driving down a hole. <laughs> I to say you were At, even like a, ninety miles an hour. To say you were even in a car is you that, spun off the planet that's, by, that's, by that's, TNA. That's by yeah. TNA, he had spun off the planet, and that was his gimmick. But was it the things he was saying? Or is his delivery really that good? Is it just the fact that he will go there? No, it's it's not the shock value. It's it's a, it's a combination of the shock value. The stuttering over his words, the not being able to start or finish his promo the way it started, and his math. <laughs> um, well, if we are going to judge people by their math skills, some of us are going to be in big trouble. I think this is the perfect example 
when you look at the grander scheme of things, especially now in WWE, this is probably one of the biz- biggest examples on why some promos should be 100% scripted. Because mm-hmm. I, I, I can almost guarantee you, maybe they tried that with Scott Steiner and WCW. They say, hey, here's a promo. He's scripted off for you. Can you even imagine what Scott Steiner's reaction would have been to say if he said if he gets handed a scripted promo? Because he didn't really have that many flubs in the WWE. No, because obviously you know it was very it, it was, scripted. Back. Yeah, mm-hmm. but but it was also a little bit more structured. Yeah, yeah, yeah almost as if people were afraid of Scott Steiner in WCW. You know, we, we'll probably get into that in a little bit. But like, yeah. I don't know. I just feel like, I mean, it was it was entertaining. Mm. I guess you can say in both good and bad ways. Also, I. And I think wrestling today and wrestling then, there's a similar similar idea that when you say, oh, that person's great, but they need a Jim Cornette or a Paul Heyman. They need someone to talk for mm-hmm. them. That's considered a knock. Where I look, I think that's incredible. Mm-hmm. That it's like, look at who those people have managed to great success. Like, you should see that as a badge of honor. Like, I'm so good in the ring that they don't think I should talk. They think someone should talk for me. I think I think we need more of that in... All of pro wrestling. That is like that the is most the optimistic warm, way. way of looking at it, I guess. <laughs> no, but it's because it's the idea of like, no, no, he, the overall package is Scott Steiner comes in and then does his bell to bell, and then somebody else, in this case, Ted DiBiase, talks for him. I can and see said, that he was like a baby, I'm sorry, as a heel, because I mean, I can easily picture Paul Heyman doing those kind of promos with a Scott Steiner kind of mm-hmm. bathroom look, because he did look very menacing. Yeah. He did look very He still scary. looks very menacing. But I, I don't know. I, guess, I, can think I, I think I can take him now. I guess I'm taking a wider cruise. This is recorded. This is. <laughs> I want to make George sure. George Mazza will be at Bar <laughs> Wrestling. He's going to be in town this weekend. <laughs> Someone needs to send this clip to Scott Steiner. Challenge extended. <laughs> I need to see that. I'm sure he follows one of us. Versus Devastator 2? Come on, you guys would pay to see that. Book it. Yes, I would. Oh, well, since you're reminding everyone that you are an independent wrestler in this business, they brought up something on the show this week that I was really, really kind of curious to hear your guys' thoughts on. Do you believe that in this business, everyone buries everyone? I'll let you start because you're newer as an actual wrestler while I've been around, but a personality. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm, and you guys probably know this, I'm very, I don't want to say careful with my words. I don't like to bury anybody. I like to give everybody the benefit of the doubt. And I don't necessarily, I, I speak with facts, right? I just go on what I observe. Uh, what is that burying somebody? I don't think so. But I know other people do don't, or don't have that kind of quality as far as like they just go quick. I, I like to think of it as a compliment sandwich. If I'm gonna bury you, I'm gonna make and put it in between two compliments. People don't do that. People just flat out go insult, insult, barrier. You know, like I mean that's not me, but I mean it, I guess in some ways. I, I personally, I and this is not just in wrestling. This is just in, in real life. I, I'm a firm believer in always reciprocating. So if you, <laughs> no, this is this is the honest truth. You treat me well. I'm going to treat you like gold. You treat me like dirt, I'm going to bury the hell out of you. Um, Who's treating you like dirt? Someone might be sitting to my right. Steve, come on. (laughs) Jesus. But but, um, in regards as far as in in the area of wrestling, I'll I'll see people, you know, all of a sudden they go, quote-unquote, off script in their promos, do a little Mm -hmm. shooting, and... Whether and a lo- and there are a number of times where they might be doing it at a wrestler that's not even on that show, <laughs> but they had a beef with this guy at another show, <laughs> and they know that this is being filmed, so we'll see it. <laughs> and then that guy t- 
to his shock, will not get booked at that other show right. again. Who'd have thunk it? It's crazy because like you think of that promo that he did where he's just burying the whole company and Flair and being like, I can show up again on Monday Night Raw. The one that's got you know? And yeah. it was funny because like, I think of like CM Punk and he was always, if you look back at his promos in 2001, he was always very careful at like putting people down. 2011. <laughs> people, 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 uh, putting people down, but not really burying them. Like you'll never hear him say anything barrier type man. because, because his, his promos were were so they were well spoken. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah, because the key the key thing in a promo where obviously if you listen to the show you've heard Eric talk about it. So yeah. I'm not breaking any any news. Is you always want to make the person whoever you're facing sound good. Uh-huh. And then explain why you're going to beat him. Because if I if I just sat here and said like Steve's a piece of garbage, he's terrible in the ring. I'm going to beat the hell out of him. It's no contest. Why would you pay to see that? Exactly. What, meanwhile, if I said like, you know, Steve's been around the block. He's 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 taken on a lot of commitment. He's built so many great YouTube channels, but he can't build anything as big as me. <laughs> you know. And oh, okay. Well, now we're building something up. I'm getting my wallet out there you Sunday. Go. <laughs> Sunday, inside a steel cage, <laughs> salad steel cage, a solid steel salad, a salad, a salad. It's a thing. Can we get George? In- it's a Pritchard chair. Can oh. we? Can we get George involved in this and make him cut off his man bun? As, no. as Scott Steiner cut off his mullet in but, 1990, whatever. I but I want the match to be good. I always think it's crazy. Yeah, you're not a wrestler. I always think it's, I always think it's crazy how like when people switch up their look, and like they keep that look forever and ever. Like you know, you had you had this look that Steiner, you know, you even had like maybe Austin like shaved his head once, like oh I'm gonna shave it never, or, I'm always gonna shave it now. You know, it's like I don't know. I always think that's funny. Like you you change the look that you're so because uh, you always had the mullet. It's like all right, well, it, you change the look once, and I was like all right, cool. He's gonna and it, he's been like that for it, the last twenty one years. It wasn't just he changed the look. This was probably the biggest overnight transformation. Yeah, yeah. he's on the pay per view with you know shorter than the mullet, mm-hmm. but black hair. And black, you know, goatee in his typical Steiner uh, gear. The next night, the very next night, mm-hmm. his hair is much shorter, bleach blonde. The goatee is blonde, except for the little middle part. <laughs> the glasses, eventually, he got the giant chain thing. Mm-hmm. It was just like, like when he first walked out, I did not know who that was. And the very first, and then it was just, like it took me a second. Like, who is this? But what? What the hell did Scott Steiner do? And like I said, he's kept that exact mm-hmm. same look mm-hmm. for the last twenty some odd years. Mm-hmm. Well, especially for him. Well, especially in wrestling, you find if it works, you you ride it. Sure, till, you ride it till the rails fall. Like off, even like. look at like Rikishi. I thought of that the other day. It was like Rikishi. He was like a you know black hair like Samoan dude. He has one gimmick change. And like he's, mm-hmm. he, he kept that ever since then. Like I'm sure, like he always got a bleach blonde, his hair white or whatever. You know, it's like you just keep going with it because it made you the most money. Versus someone like PCO, who he he probably milked the nostalgia for all it was worth and was like, I mean, I need to be. Someone. I need something else. I need, I need to, to make some money. Yeah, like I, need I still to want to do it. Be something else, and he, that's a shout out to PCO. He does a great job. He does. He's <laughs> fantastic. Well, with Scott, the hair is not the only thing that had the fans uh, talking, uh, of course. What else were stating? Well, it seems that some people maybe thought that Scott was unnaturally large. To be fair, body. like to be fair, he was. Oh, always, thank you for clarifying. To be <laughs> fair, like he was always big because you look yeah. back at like ninety four, ninety five. He was always a big guy, mm-hmm. but man, like there were th- things in his body that just didn't look normal. 
Like like muscles popping, veins popping. Yeah, but like like just look not normal. And you you know like like the expression that you said, man, he's so strong, his muscles have muscles. Like he literally had muscles on his muscles. <laughs> like I, I didn't even see bodybuilders, like professional bodybuilders with like these nowhere, kind of nowhere muscles. Closer. It yeah. was just like man. Like, Do you guys remember noticing this? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Did you know about juicing? Yes. Back then yes. as young fans, that, point, yes. that was on oh, your radar. Sure. Well, it was also a thing, like because. It had already ravaged professional sports in the in the late 80s, in the early eighties to right. the late eighties. So like by the nineties, they were making a point to tell kids, "Don't do steroids. I, steroids are bad." I was cheating. I was this. I was terrible. I, I I will never forget because growing up, um, like my dad would watch wrestling. My mom hated it. And my older sister thought it was the dumbest thing. <laughs> now, my seven-year-old nephew is obsessed with it. She's, my sister loves Total Divas and understands why Yay. wrestling's good. Uh, <laughs> but there was an article in People magazine about the Hulk Hogan steroid mm. situation. Yeah. And I remember, because my mom had a subscription to People magazine back then. This was like 92. And I was like eight or nine years old. And I remember my sister opening up to the article, running it over to my face and said, told you it's fake. (gasps) And I was just like so sad because I read the article and I was just like, Hulk did something bad, but I love him. I can see it on your face even today. How hurtful that was. I also think we... The therapy is still going through. (laughs) We as a society still have the wrong idea about steroids. That I think, like, all <laughs> are you, are you is subscribing very to the, the Sean Waltman theory of juicing? I don't know Sean Waltman's theory on juicing. I, my personal, like, theory, if everyone's doing it at school. No, that's not my theory at all. My my theory is I, that's an exaggeration. Also, I'm sure. Of what like, Sean says. No, sure. It's Jim Ross says that. Go on. Well, like my argument, not my argument, but my thought is if you have if you break your elbow in your professional pitcher and you have surgery to rebuild your elbow so you can get 10 more years out of your career mm-hmm. is there anything wrong with that in a, in a physical recovery no as yeah. long as it's properly your, medicated your, by a doctor and prescribed your, and, yeah but like your whereas anabolic steroids a doctor can prescribe you anabolic steroids to regain so you're not on the injury DL for two years mm-hmm. like you can take steroids prescribed by a doctor in a very safe way yes that because they're so heavily abused by people who are very much abusing them it becomes a too harsh a binary it's you just can't have that in your system what if a doctor prescribes it still can't have it in your system what if it gets me back on the road in six months versus 18 months can't have it in your system that we have too stringent we have, we have too stringent an understanding and uh, judgment but on use of steroids in any way. I, I kind of disagree with you on that because um, a number of, and I'm not just saying like WWE per se, but a lot of the sports, you know, obviously plenty of people get hurt, plenty of people have to recover from it. But they they have their own strict pro, their strict protocols, but they have them as far as okay, well, you know, you have to let us know. From the doctor has to let us know how long you've been on such and such a mm-hmm. thing. How long? Okay, you're back on the road now. Just let me know. There's going to be a random test coming in. Okay, but if we have this note that stays in this period of time, you are on it, so it may still be in the system. We can let it pass because it was for some recovery thing. Mm-hmm. But all of a sudden, you're back on the road three, four months in, and drug random drug test is happening, and the letter that they had said. It expired as far as the length of time that you should be on it, and if it's still in your system, that's a whole different story. 
but it could stay in your system for that. I'm not going to get into the... I'm, I'm saying we as a society hear steroids and immediately judge instead of trying to read up on the whole story. Were they trying to make themselves... Were they trying to get an unfair advantage on others? Or were they just trying to get back to where they were? Well, People Before Magazine was just trying to sell magazines. Yeah, that too. I, I, agree with, with, well, I agree with what Steve's saying, but at the same time, I do kind of like, I'm a little, uh, like about Eric's kind of reaction. He's like, oh, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I mean, they just do it. And like, I was just feeling like it was a little too like nonchalant. Like, I mean, but if that, people, if people he, are on it, they're on it. That's probably you know? just, that was the party line. That was the position he had to take Especially back like in 97 and 98. Like, I mean, a big, a big guy uh, that was in the news around that time was Mark McGuire. Mm-hmm. They even mentioned yeah. it during this episode where like, and apparently like, everybody's like, oh, he's Mike McGuire. He's, he's breaking the but then, like years later, it was like, no, you were a juice head, like yeah. you know. But it's again, that was a lifestyle back then. Like it was, there are a lot more restrictions now than there was back then. Maybe the punishment's harsher, but it just you know. Oh, that, 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 that was 50, the life back 50 then. Fifty games suspension for the first offense on it. Mm-hmm. It's a big deal. Like, yeah. But they don't they don't def- they don't differentiate between using steroids to get better and using steroids to get back to where you were. Mm-hmm. No one's making that differentiation. Everyone's just trying to steroids bad. And well, story. I think it's when more I, so like now that they're getting more. They don't say you got popped for roids. They're very specific well, on like these are the substances that were in your system. You know, I think there are just certain certain ingredients that they just can't have. You can maybe take steroids just well, as long as it doesn't have those specific substances. Well, there's a there are hundreds of banned substances yeah, yeah. that are maskers to yeah. the test. That Guys, I think now. if Scott Steiner could listen to our convo right now, he might get a little hot. He might get a little angry. And uh, maybe like he'd get very a, calm he might get in a scuffle with you. Mm-hmm. He may call me a bad name. I don't know. <laughs> but we do know that back in the day, he did such to DDP and Kimberly. <laughs> Not a bad name. Anything but a bad name. <laughs> well, this was interesting because we kind of wondered what happened with Kimberly at the very end. And now we know. Yeah. It's crazy because like, I heard a story that she was like responsible for, for, for getting Sunny fired. And now, like, it sounds like, I don't know if it was, like, a karma thing, but, because, I mean, it was part of a combination of Kimberly that, and it was also, like, Scott Steiner just being a hothead. Yeah. You know? I mean. Well, because it sounds like that wasn't, that wasn't a one-time occurrence. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong, was this 99 or 2000? It was 2000. So, hypothetically, did Kimberly have, like, three years on her deal in 2000? <laughs> And then she walked out of her Scott Steiner, and then missed out on two years of <laughs> two years of essentially couch money. Uh, Kimberly was a pretty smart lady, so I'm gonna guess a no. I'm hoping no, because no one in 2000 thought WCW would fold in 2001. So she, that could have weighed into her decision. Well, how about a shoot fight between her hubby DDP and Scott Steiner? Whose money? Or who do you put your money on in that one? Scott Steiner. DDP. Do you, do you think? Yes, yeah, Scott Steiner. But aren't you shocked DDP to actually hear? Fights. Yeah, but aren't you shocked to hear that DDP would take on a Scott Steiner? I mean, Scott I'm not, I'm not a scary guy. He's a oh, scary okay. guy. Okay. Or was I, a scary guy. I, I, mean, I thought that was a shocking story. Because, because, told by no, because story. And, and I mean, there were times where obviously <laughs> Eric's talked multiple times during this time frame how DDP could have been a hothead at times. Right. So I could definitely see him say, no, I'll fight him. And Scott Steiner would be like, okay, let's fight. And and and, and then bad things happen. <laughs> I, I think y'all are just counting the life DDP lived before he joined pro wrestling. He was a he was a bouncer. Oh, that a, is, that's DD, true. D, I would argue DDP has gotten into more street flights than Scott Steiner. Well, someone, can, someone can check my work. And Eric does sort of attribute some of the hullabaloo backstage 
to the agents having bad communication. This was something that he really went into for a little while and kind of explained the issues that this causes. He called Terry Taylor a stooge at one point during this part of the conversation. Which not the I, first time. Yeah, I'm saying, no. It's not the only person that called him that. Well, no, I, I realize that, yeah, yeah. but I still, I still think it's cute. Did you like Terry Taylor? <laughs> what? Did you like Terry Taylor? I love Terry okay. Taylor. And he loves me. And that's all that matters. And that's all that matters. Um, but so what about this idea that maybe some of the things that were going on behind the scenes weren't really the fault of the wrestlers? That it was the agents maybe evading them when they could or when they needed to and and sort of not relaying what people need to know. Well, I mean, I think that just goes to show, like, WCW at the time. Like, you always hear all these stories that, like, there's no structure. Like, I mean, I think around this time, like, who was really the boss? It was like, I know Johnny Ace was kind of running things, but, like, he's not really the boss boss, <laughs> you know? Right. It just yeah. goes to show, I think, just how dysfunctional it was, mm-hmm. maybe especially toward the end. I mean, Larry's, I think Larry Zbysko is ultimately correct in the, in the early 90s when he met Eric Bischoff. Like, kid, you can keep your head down. You can keep your head down. You have a job for 10 years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you can keep your head down, keep your cool. One thing we didn't get on this episode was much chatting about current times, present day. Eric talked about the restaurants. That, we, we, have a, we have a full report on all the restaurants surrounding his apartment there in Stanford, but not quite some juicy stuff. Like I'm, we curious, got last I'm week. curious in about six months what the tourism numbers in Stanford, Connecticut will be, <laughs> thanks to these reports. Well, I'm not considering making a trip there anytime soon, but Why? because we get to talk to Eric ourselves oh. straight from Stamford, Connecticut in just a moment, unless you guys have anything you would like to add about this episode. I was going to say, like, it, it just kind of came out, too, like, there was, like, an interview with Noel Foley and Scott Steiner about, like, oh, if I was in the Hall of Fame, or there, I don't want to be in the Hall of Fame because there's no physical building. I don't know, just some like recent stuff that he's kind of been involved in. I know he's going to be at Impact Wrestling this upcoming weekend for the tapings. I know he's going to be at Bar Wrestling. Uh, but just overall, like, I, I think some of his later years kind of. Oh, I meant we didn't get current stuff about Eric's like juicy life now. <laughs> Not about Scott. Chris is done with Scott. I guess we're done with Scott. We can Google that. You guys just told us he's going to be at bar wrestling next week. So week. This week, I'm Here's a guy who's not going to be there, I'm sure. Everybody stay tuned because in just a moment, Eric Bischoff himself will be joining us to ask to answer your questions. Stay tuned. Wow, a earth-shattering conversation with Eric Bischoff, as always. Look, we're kayfabing you there, guys. I'm sure you saw our different outfits and such and things. But let's go ahead and wrap this up. Christian Rosenberg, where can all the folks find you at online? Well, I, I hope everyone enjoyed all the questions I got to ask Eric this week. <laughs> but in the meantime, you can follow me on Twitter, at Rue Rosenberg, Instagram, the Rue Rosenberg. Like I said, to begin the show, it's the four-year anniversary of ProWrestlingTees.com slash Christian Rosenberg. You could celebrate by buying a shirt. And you can follow me at Ghermoza, G-H-E-R-M-O-Z-A, on Twitter, on Instagram. We're all awesome. And I'm Steve Kaufman. You can find me on Twitter almost exclusively at Steve Kaufman. That is K-A-U-F-M-A-N-N. I run most of the YouTube pages for most of the wrestlers. We are all awesome. And you guys can always hit me up at Christie Reports and tell me what you thought was particularly awesome about this show. Next week, we will be talking about Nitro 100. This is the one where Luger beats Hulk Hogan, and you guys were already getting going about it when we talked about it earlier. So yeah. that's going to be a good one, and we will see you right back here next week to talk about it. Have a good one. Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. 
Buzz you later. <laughs> the views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principal.